Hi, Simon Hill here. Enjoy our podcast. If you'd like to help us keep delivering the sort of quality football chat you want, then you can show your support by making a donation. Big or small, however much you can afford, we appreciate all your help and every cent will be ploughed back into improving production. Thanks in advance from all of us at Shim, Spider and so much more. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's Craig Moore. What a piece. Beautifully struck home by Craig Moore and the Australian supporters go wild in Stuttgart. Why not? Touched by Kalash. Nixon's got a kick. Marcelo couldn't handle Wood on the set piece. It's a brilliant header. And Kale goes to Spitzaker. What about that? Here's Aloisi for a place in the World Cup. He's You're with Shim, Spider, and so much more. Take it away, fellas. Yes, here we go for another week on Shim, Spider, and so much more. A week that has seen much debate on the National Second Division. I wonder who started that. A young star emerged that goes by the apt moniker of Cool, and a little Twitter spat involving me and the general manager of Fox Cricket. Uh, Suffice to say, I'm not going to get involved in a war of words with someone I don't even remember meeting during my time there, but I will say this. Ask yourself why, on the back of paying millions of dollars for a product, a newspaper belonging to that same company would come out and openly smash the TV ratings for football. Ratings based upon a system that really is rather outdated in a vastly changed digital world. Then ask yourself why people who work in other sports come out and openly attack football people like Greg O'Rourke and like me, a person who no no longer even works there. If we are so insignificant, so bereft of any interest, why do they bother? What other so-called minor sport has to endure such hostility? The answer is they know our potential, which of course is why they paid the money to keep control in the first place. I think we all know the sort of culture we're dealing with these days when it comes to football and the mainstream media. And that is why, in my opinion at least, it is imperative the game goes its own way if it is to fulfil its potential. However, thank you very much for your support online. It was very much appreciated. Oh, welcome to the show. That's a nice I little I thought intro. I'd have a bit of a rant. <laughs> why not? That's, That's what we're all about. I'm glad someone else gets into it and not just me, Maury. I like that. Uh, and by the way... Introductions yet. Hang on, boys. Hang on. On to the football. And a little later on, we'll have former soccer Brett Holman as our special guest. Thanks for all your questions, incidentally, including one who will win our $100 meal voucher for the Outback Steakhouse. And let's welcome our two esteemed socceroos. Craig Moore, still safely ensconced at Moore Towers on the Goldie due to COVID. Have the servants brought your tea yet, Maury? 
Mate, it's been cold the last couple of times, so I'm not very happy with that. Um, but but no, nah, look, we're we're doing we're doing okay up here, and look, enjoyed a, a very good week. Um, that's just passed. Had a um, a meeting uh, with a few clubs with the Golden Generation, and we had a chat with them. Simon, you you hosted that, which was fantastic, and you also got to see Lucas Neal, who I yeah. think a lot of people. I felt that it had have disappeared, but uh, you you experienced firsthand still the, the passion, the knowledge and the involvement that he wants in the Australian game. So that yep. was fantastic. He spoke very, very well indeed. And here in Sydney, sparing us an hour in between doing the jip rock for the studio, is Spider Kalach. How are you, Spider? How are you going with Sydney United? That's good. We played our last uh, friendly game on Friday against a young, very young Sydney FC. We got beat, but uh, it was a very good hit out for us. And now we're ready for the start of the MPL this Sunday. We're finally here again. We're starting. We've got Sydney Olympic at home on Sunday. So looking forward to that. And uh, good to see that the weather's put its best hat on for the return of football. has been absolutely pouring down in both Sydney and Brisbane over uh, the last few days. Let's get into it then. The big issues of the week in Hard Talk. So, guys, let's uh, start with the A-League. And uh, first of all, obviously, a big congratulations to Sydney FC. Premiers for the fourth time. New A-League record equals the National League record with Melbourne Knights and Perth Glory. Why does no one mention the merged records? This is so important for our future and our past, isn't it, as a sport? Yeah, I thought about that one the other day. And it's probably just because the, the leagues have separated. So, you know, they say, OK, well, this is the A-League history. This is the old NSL history. But it's still... It's a part of football, ain't it? Absolutely. Maury, uh, Sydney FC yeah. building a dynasty, really, aren't they? Nothing's changed since the days of Graham Arnold. Smooth transition to Steve Corica, as we said last week. Yeah, and, and as we touched on last week with, with Bimby, what a, what a fantastic job uh, he's done at Sydney FC. He lost a lot of talent. And not, a, not only has he been able to replace that, he's been able to replace that and continue to be successful. So a huge kudos to, to Steve Corica. Um, and to our listeners out there, we don't forget about the, the Melbourne Knights uh, and, and the likes because when we talk about football, we're talking about football as a whole and, and for the history of the game. And I think that's very important, Simon, in terms of what we're looking to achieve here on the podcast. Absolutely. Um, now, I want to stay with you, Maury, because you mentioned this, I think it was last week or, or maybe in episode one. Uh, you, you said when the A-League resumes, uh, we're going to see and we're going to be talking about young talents that perhaps we don't know too much about. And you were spot on. Mm. Uh, over the last few days, in particular, we've seen the emergence of this young lad at uh, the Central Coast Mariners, Alu Kool, the latest from the African diaspora. And, and what a brilliant interview he gave post F3 Derby, which, uh, to be fair, was probably the highlight of a rather drab evening. He looks a, a real personality, doesn't he? No, he does. And, and look, there's, there's so many more stories, Simon, uh, I believe, that are, that are out there. And just to see um, a, a young player come in, uh, and play with no fear like they normally do. Uh, and, and he looks a character. And, and that's what the game is crying out for. Um, his interview probably was the best part of the game, if I'm being honest. <laughs> apart, <laughs> apart from Ziggy, Ziggy Gordon, who looked like Flash Gordon, the way he was defending for the Mariners. <laughs> uh, but look, a fantastic story. And, and, and as I touched on, you're right, rightfully so, said uh, Simon, episode one, that the young talent is out there. And as we've seen with the opportunities that they're getting, um, they're talking points. They're not looking as if they're, they're out of place, Spider, are they? No, they're not, they're not. And it's a perfect time to actually blood them and give them the opportunity. And we, we keep talking about it, but without opportunity, where can you go? 
So it's the opportunity for them to actually show their ability. Not just Alu Cool, but Adelaide United too have given a debut to Tarash Gomolka. 14 of their 17-man squads uh, for their last game was South Australian. That's the sort of local identity a club needs as well to connect with its community. Do you agree, Maury? Yeah, I, I do, Simon. And look, that's down to the individual clubs. But um, certainly Adelaide uh, United uh, and the, the commentary that's come out of that football club, I've heard Bruce Jitte speak about it on a number of occasions, that they want to be South Australian proud. Uh, and to have 14 of the 17-man squad that were South Australian is a huge statement and, and certainly something that uh, will continue to engage with their, their fan base. Um, but again, that's down to the clubs in terms of what type of club they want to be. Um, so fair play to Adelaide United they've got a uh, on paper I still think they've got a very exciting young squad with good experience Melbourne victory as well Spider Aaron Anderson got his uh, his debut against Western United Burke and Kurdar played again Lewis Laurie Latanzio came off the bench uh, victory not necessarily a club in the past that has always been renowned for giving youngsters an opportunity but in the situation that they're in at the moment they can't make the finals this is tailor-made for those kids isn't it perfect and it's what Maury said probably last week when we had the discussion about Central Coast Mariners victory can't make the top six so they're going to expose these young kids and play and, and yes they've had a few injuries and Players are leaving, like now Lawrence Thomas is leaving, we heard, and we know Cruz got it, got uh, injured. So it's a great opportunity for these young kids to play, what is it, four or five matches, Maury, and to show what they can do on the, the big stage. Yep. Um, in terms of the coaching situation... Yeah, sorry, go on, Maury. Yeah, no, and also there was, a, there was another couple, Lesiotis and, and Jay Barnett. So, uh, again, this was a, a very young Melbourne victory side. And although they, they suffered a defeat, they, for me, showed a, a, a real resilience because at no stage did they give up and they kept fighting to the very end and made it interesting towards the end of the game. Just on those young players, James Johnson said in an interview, I think just last week with the World Game, that in season 18-19... Australia had only three players under 23 out of 93 that played 2,250 minutes or, or around 25 games in the top league. And he made a comparison. The Netherlands had 22. Japan had 23. Just to repeat, Australia had three. So it's, it's important mm-hmm. that we resolve this, this problem, isn't it? Yeah. And this is what obviously Arnie and the FFA and uh, all the MPL clubs, this is hopefully... Football is a benefactor of all this and we can all work it out together. How is it that we can actually give these kids the opportunity to play more game time? One player that uh, has emerged is Max Burgess, came out of the NPL. He was absolutely terrific for Western United. There are comparisons being made, Maury, and I don't know whether this is always fair on, on young talents, but there is a touch of the Tommy Rogiches about him because he's got that sweet left foot and rather sort of languid style. Is that fair? Is he that sort of a player? And can he be that good? Well, I mean, look, Max Burgess is now, I think, 25 years of age. Um, he's now enjoying his, his second season of regular football. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are, Spider, but I think physically he's improved out of sight. So he's now a player that is able to, to get about the football field for, for 90 minutes. He has a fantastic left, left foot on him, um, really nice, tight control. And he's finally adding some goals to his game as well. So what a, what a great moment for Max Spur just to play uh, what was a very good match in front of Graham Arnold, who's the national team coach. Yeah, I worked with Max uh, back at Sydney FC when he was uh, under 20s. 
and you could always see that he had quality. But again, we talk about the opportunity. At Sydney FC, they had to make a decision whether he was going to be in the first grade squad from 20 years old. So they obviously let him go. And credit to the kid, he didn't chuck it in. He actually went back to State League and got valuable game time playing for Sydney Olympic, playing very well. And then Rouge took him, I think, to, to Wellington, which he had another fantastic year. And now he's gone to Western United. So he's continuing. And that's that's because he's playing games more. He's always been a very good player. I think mm-hmm. he's got a very good uh, career ahead of him as long as he keeps continuing to deliver. And, I mean, it's, it is right. It's very hard to say that he's a Tommy Rogic when you see what Tommy Rogic mm-hmm. has done in his career and where Max Burgess is. Uh, yeah, let, let's wait a little bit longer before we start comparing him to Tommy Rogic. I want to uh, I want to return to the the theme of young players and that development in just a moment. But before we do, t- go off on a bit of a tangent, Maury. I want to talk about the the, the coach in the alley, Melbourne Victory, looking as though they they're going to appoint Trianos Delos. That that's the rumor. Uh, the former Greek international who's who's very well known. Is that the right choice? Uh, and I know also you you have a view on on Brisbane Roar's <laughs> latest appointment, uh, uh, Warren Moon as well, who got the job maybe a little bit out of the blue uh, only last mm-hmm. week. Take it away, Maury. Yeah, look, in regards to, to, to Melbourne Victory, first and foremost, there's a huge uh, Greek population in Melbourne. So um, they, they, they might believe that that is the direction uh, and, and a coach that can engage in, in the community. Uh, I've not heard whether that uh, is something that is a, a definite as of yet, but um, I'm sure we'll hear an announcement uh, quite soon. In regards to the, the Brisbane Raw situation, um, and it's not, only, it's not only a Brisbane Raw situation and it's not only a Warren Moon situation. Um, the accreditation, the coach accreditation, which, which coaches pay a lot of money to, to, um, to actually get a hold of, you need a pro licence for the A-League. Now, Warren Moon doesn't have a pro licence and the next pro licence course that he can enrol in is in 2022. Now, that, that could be by... His contract could have come and gone by then. The reason why the pro licence is required is because if you then um, compete in the Asian Champions League, the, the pro licence is required for international football. So my point is back to the governance, again, of our game. It's been approved by uh, the FFA and it, it shouldn't be, in my opinion. You know, you look... Uh, Spide, you also had Warren Joyce, who was the same. Tony Grant, also uh, at Brisbane Raw prior to what's happening now. And I believe Kenny Miller has a nice fluff title at Newcastle Jets because he doesn't have the correct qualification. Now, final point on this. We look at Kevin Muscat, who did have his AFC Pro Diploma. Goes to Europe and goes to Belgium at St. Truden. Now, it didn't translate to UEFA Pro. It has taken Kevin Muscat six months to go through a rigorous process to get the correct qualification driven by UEFA for him to coach his football team at that club. He was not allowed on the training field. He was not allowed in the dressing room. He had to be sat in the stand. And if any um, breach in, in that process, his club got a severe fine. We approve it. And there's a lot of coaches, football coaches, Australia come out and congratulated Warren Moon. And like I said, this is not about Warren Moon. I congratulate Warren Moon as well. But I don't think there's many coaches that are members of Football Coaches Australia that are offering the, the same congratulations who are paying all their money to become qualified coaches. But then they see somebody get fast-tracked. Yeah, you're right. You're right, Maury. And it's, 
you know what, there's not enough opportunities already. And to see then something like this happens probably does upset a lot of the other coaches because they say, well, what are we doing? You know, what opportunity are we going to get? And I said it before, without the opportunity, what you can't show how good you are. So I think at the A-League level, to have your pro is important. And I think in the lower lower tiers, you can actually start graduating through it and doing your licenses and progressing. 100%. You're spot on, Maureen. Okay, an interesting situation. And uh, again, part of the ongoing conundrum uh, with coaching in this country. And I, I guess, again, it comes down to the fact that there just are not enough jobs for coaches who are taking these courses, which leads us on uh, to our next point. What is the answer to that? And we discussed this, of course, uh, in depth last week with regards to a, a national second division. In terms of players getting more game time, the short-term answer, of course, is that uh, the state federations, a lot of them have been asked to allow the, the youth teams, of, for example, the Wanderers, Sydney FC, the Central Coast Mariners, and I know there's been a lot of strife about the Mariners situation in particular, uh, to mm-hmm. play NPL1, uh, particularly with an Olympic Games theoretically coming up in, in Tokyo uh, next year. Is that the, the right short-term solution? Look, at the moment, I can only tell you what happened in New South Wales. It's because Sutherland Sharks decided not to play and we were left with uh, a bye you know, already in a competition that's only going to be 10 or 11 games more. So we let mm. Wanderers, the clubs actually agreed to let one club in and then they tried to put in Newcastle and, and Central Coast. Mariners. The, the clubs are already are struggling financially and they said, well, we're going to pay more more games, which is going to cost us more money. We just can't mm. afford it. So they just sort of went that way. But on the other flip side of it, Sydney FC already play in the MPL one. You know why? Mm-hmm. Because they did it by merit. They actually went in MPL two, they won it and they got up into the MPL and won. Western Sydney Wanderers are still in MPL two, theoretically. I think Newcastle are in MPL four. Four is ridiculous and Central Coast are in MPL 2 so these clubs really need to deserve to go up to MPL 1 you can't expect the MPL 1 clubs just to say okay take one of our spots and you come in that's not fair either and if it's going to be a collective uh, principle of procedure they have to deserve to be there for this year possibly they've, they've bent the rules a little bit just to help these guys that are going to the Olympics, but still playing MPL2 for Newcastle and for Central Coast is good comp- competitive matches for these boys. Yeah, well, but Spides, you can, you can understand the, the frustration for uh, Newcastle Jets and Central Coast Mariners when Central Coast Mariners, over the two games that they played Western Sydney Wanderers, won 5-0 and 1-0. Yet Western Sydney Wanderers were the club that got the, the upgrade so you can understand why um, there was disappointment. I don't know the process uh, in, in, in regards to how the decision was made. Um, but Simon, yeah, I, I kind of I think short term in terms of being able to provide opportunities for our players, especially with the Olympics just around the corner. And, uh, you know, no different to any other countries uh, throughout the world. Give your players the best opportunity so that we can be in the best possible position to compete and, and do well at the Olympic Games. Indeed. Um, and I noticed that a lot of people out there in social media land have uh, not been slow to uh, accuse the Mariners of hypocrisy, of course, saying, well, you know, you're putting a glass ceiling on us getting promoted when, of course, they compete in an A-League that is a closed shop, which uh, leads yes. us to, to our next point. And again, we're not going to go in depth on a national second 
because we discussed that uh, at length last week. But as we mentioned on episode two, there was a meeting between the FFA and the AAFC, uh, the group that represents all the MPL clubs last week. I did contact uh, Nick Galatis from the AAFC and, and asked what had uh, taken place and uh, what the current state of play was. Uh, this is an informal response that, that Nick gave me. It's, it's not an official press statement or anything like that. Um, and he said, look, whilst we're currently uh, taking part in consultations conducted by FFA as part of its 11 principles engagement with the football community and stakeholders, we're also continuing our work to bring the National Second Division to life as soon as possible post-COVID. We're in the process at the moment of contacting our member clubs to brief them about our meeting with FFA and the next steps. We expect to have reached them all by the end of this current week. Uh, as part of the process, we're reconfirming interest in taking part in the NSD of the clubs which had previously informed us they were keen to take part and checking mm -hmm. to see how many others might be interested in the post-COVID economy which is likely to see a more modest NSD financial model to start off with, whether that's semi-pro or not, I'm not quite sure. We'll then go back yeah. to FFA, says Nick, with the position of our MPL member clubs to the, uh, to the matters we discussed with them last week and our position for the commencement of the second division as soon as possible, which we hope will be the season after next and in alignment with the A-League season. We think this is in line with the 11 principles and we look forward to putting the results of the expressions of interest among our member clubs and others to FFA in the next week or so. Your response to, uh, uh, to those words from Nick, gentlemen? Look, I'm glad that they're speaking about it, but I still would rather they do something about it. I, I just think we have to be brave. Uh, it, it might not work. I, I get it. It might not work. But unless we have that discussion and we be brave and we say, okay, this is what we're going to do and it's going to happen now, uh, I would like to see that happen. And that's a little bit more with the things that we've spoken about. There's no time offers for anything. We, we talk and talk and talk, but there's no time saying, okay, we're going to do it this year with the A-League. So the second division is mm -hmm. coming in this year when the next season for the A-League starts. You have plenty of time now to see which clubs are viable. Go out mm -hmm. and make your decision and make it happen. Yeah. And, and my, my take on it all, Simon, I know it was a, a big statement that you rolled out there, but the, for me, I would like to see the national division, uh, second division up and running as soon as possible. And I would like it to be professional. Now, I know that, that uh, people then get, get scared and start to shake because they think of costs. But, um, you know, in terms of what it's going to look, look like moving forward and promotion, relegation, the, the step from semi-professional profes to professional football is massive and it's going to continue to get bigger and bigger and bigger. So for me, it needs to be professional. One slight e example of the, the part uh, of that professionalism that I will go, okay, I understand due to cost is the games you fly in and you fly out. So then that way you're, you're saving the, the, the hotel costs and all that sort of stuff that's associated with the A-League. That might come to, to $50,000, $60,000 a year. But again, I think that if you have these ambitious clubs and Spider, you were involved in the old NSL days and you had so many people that wanted to be involved and share um, that journey with the playing group and actually sponsored travel, for example, and picked up tabs. I think that, 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 that is very realistic in a national second division because you're going to engage with these community clubs. You're going to get people that really want to drive and support and financially will get behind them. 
Okay, let's move away from the National Second Division because we could probably talk about that uh, all day and all night. Uh, just answer a, a couple of Twitter questions. We said this show was for the fans before we move on to our next segment. Um, briefly, if you can, Spider, you can deal with this one. Uh, from Matt Doolan on private academies, what role do they have in football here? This is probably another chat that could go on for about four hours, I think. Look, I, I do think they have a place. Mm. Uh, and the reason I say that is because if parents and kids want to actually be the best they can, they actually have to do extra sessions. So I think these private academies, so say for example, they play for Sydney United in the under nines and they train three nights a week. If the kid wants to be better and he wants to do another two sessions a week, he can go to the private academies and work on his individual stuff to be better. Repetition, repetition, repetition. So I do think there is a place for him up to a certain age group. Okay, uh, one from Thomas. What is happening with Western United Stadium? And where do you think they should play their home games next season? I actually got in touch with the club uh, yesterday to try and find out what is happening with the stadium. Um, all I can glean from them is they say it is on track. That's what they say. Uh, and in terms of next season, uh, they're looking at three potential venues. That's what they're in negotiations with at the moment. Sorry, I can't give you any more clarity than that. But that is the official word from Western United. Uh, Maury, here's one for you. I might chip on on this one as well. From Nick Gerver, what are your thoughts on the commentary and media surrounding the A-League? Does it do a good enough job? Can it be improved? Well, it, it would help, Maury, wouldn't it, if we had a few more people that actually worked in football media? <laughs> yeah, no, nah, look, very very much so. Look, this is this is something that, again, we're, we're going to see transition Um with the lack of promotion uh, around about the game with um, Fox at the moment, um, we, we're seeing a lot of other providers and, and, and people want to get involved. I mean, the commentary at the moment, Simon, we're missing your great voice, obviously. But well, to, to be uh, fair, I, I don't think Nick meant the, the commentary as in the game commentary. I think he meant <laughs> the commentary around the game. <laughs> around the game, yeah. But, the okay, that's a good point as well, yeah. Um, now, nah, look, I, I think... We're seeing a lot of clubs getting involved now and, and this OTT streaming and uh, really sort of like getting on the front foot there. But look, we can always improve upon it. Um, at the end of the day, if we've got a thriving industry, it, it gives a lot more people an opportunity to work in the business. That's what we've got to look to try and provide. Absolutely. And uh, good to see the clubs getting on board uh, this pre-game show bandwagon. We now have Sydney FC, Melbourne Victory, Melbourne City and the Mariners all doing their own thing. Maybe a prelude to uh, an OTT service spider. Andy Jacobs and the Jetstream, both on that subject. What other content could fans and clubs generate to populate FFA TV? Would fan content be featured? We've got an idea, so the Jetstream. How would the panel suggest getting a show off the ground? Well, I see that you're in Newcastle, so I would say approach the Jets. But it's all I mean, this is all stuff that can be used to, to, to develop this football culture on that particular platform when it arrives. Well, I've seen the pre-game shows that we spoke about, what was it, one week ago? Yep. And now all of a sudden, people are jumping on board and doing it. And you know what? They've been fantastic. I watched uh, Melbourne Victories one the other day with Zappers and, and Thea. Very good. Mm. Very good. Uh, in depth of what's happening in the game. And people want to be a part of it. They want to know. Uh, it is difficult to turn the TV on and the game comes straight on. It was like I think uh, that's how we used to show the Wellington game. Like from in yes. New Zealand, you'd sit there and come on, on. Where's the preview? Where's the show? Like who's playing? What's the story here? <laughs> but it's great to see the clubs getting on board. And I think they will keep getting on board and they'll get better and better. All about uh, context and content. And hopefully that is going to uh, improve over the next 12 months. Thanks very much. 
uh, ladies and gents, for your Twitter questions for the panel. Let's uh, move overseas, shall we? London calling. London calling through the faraway towns. Now war is declared and battle come down. London calling to the... Yes, London calling indeed. And we will start in the UK. Uh, what a final day it was in England. Of course, Liverpool already the champions, but a big battle for the remaining Champions League spots and, of course, against relegation in the end. Uh, Maury, it went Manchester United's way, it went Chelsea's way, and Chelsea's it went way. Yep. Aston Villa's way at the expense of Bournemouth and Watford. Yeah, and it was a big goal for, uh, for Aston Villa. Jack Grealish, his last goal for Aston Villa, um, I believe. But, yeah, Manchester United and, and Chelsea secure those, those Champions, Champions League positions. Uh, Man United with a, a good win away to Leicester, and um, and Chelsea also with a with a good victory. So, kind of the four that we felt were were going to to finish in the in the top four. Also worth uh, mentioning Vardy with the with the golden boot uh, on twenty three goals with with Danny Ings and Aubameyang who did manage to score two against Watford on twenty two goals. Spider, I want to ask you a question. So Leicester missed out on the Champions League, but they, they will be in the Europa League next season. As a player who played there, however briefly, do you have that special kinship with, with all the clubs that you played for? Do you still watch out for them? Yeah. You know, when you woke up this morning, I know you said you stayed up and watched the Premier League. Are you disappointed for your old club or is it, is it literally just a place of work? No, no, no. I follow all the clubs that I played for and I follow them closely. And you think Leicester were in the top four the whole year. Mm. Like, seriously, like the whole year, 300 days they were in the top four, Maury. The last day comes and they get out of it. Uh, So I follow them closely and all the clubs that I played for because I want them to be successful. I want them to continue Mm. going forward. You're the same, Maury? Yeah, no, I follow follow the results of all the clubs that that I've played. Definitely exactly the same as as Spider. It's something that you you have that connection, don't you, Spider, with the clubs that you've you've been with and you always follow their... um, you know, their, their results and hopefully their positions, they stay in the top flight. Um, so, yeah, no, I'm exactly the same as Spider there. The story for me uh, with this season, uh, Simon, I mean, Watford have, have gone down and I, I feel for their fans. But in terms of a football club and how wrong can you get it in one season? I mean, that, that, to, to sack Nigel Pearson with two games <laughs> remaining in the season, and there were two tough games at that, that was a, a terrible decision, in my opinion. I don't know what your thoughts are, guys, on that, but... Oh. Totally agree. I mean, they went through three, or was it even four? I can't remember the exact number. They seemed to sack one every two or three months, didn't they? Three, three, um, man, three managers this season. Yeah, Kiki Sanchez-Flores and Javi Gracia, and then uh, and obviously Nigel Pearson, yes, and they ended up with Hayden Mullins in, in interim charge. I mean, when you have that level of instability, it's, it's no wonder you end up getting relegated. Yeah, and with two games to go, like you said, like, Nigel Pearson was doing a great job. He was. Like, he was really doing a great job because they were in free fall and he stopped that a little bit. Um, and you know what? For me, it's a miracle that Villa got out. My Villa were in Barney rubble. Like they were, yeah. go- they were gone. For them to get out is incredible. And I, I don't know. You would know better than me, Simon. But Villa's a bigger club than Watford, isn't it? Yeah. No, it is. Um, and, and Dean Smith, to be fair, has done a good job there to, to keep them up. Um, as you mentioned, Jack Grealish now is really the big talking point. Can they yeah. keep hold of him for next season? Because he's no. good enough to play. I'm not saying at a bigger club, because Aston Villa are a massive club, but at a, certainly a more successful club at the moment. 
Yeah, but imagine, imagine if Aston Villa went down, though, guys. They spent £135 million pound this season. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, you're talking about potential freefall if they went down. Yeah. That's, so, that's, bigger than, that's bigger than your servants' budget, isn't it? More towers. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I, and I get my tea that's cold. <laughs> um, a quick word on, uh, on Liverpool. Obviously, a great week of celebrations for them, ending the 30-year wait for the title. Uh, Jordan Henderson winning the, the writers, Football Writers Player of the Year, even though Kevin De Bruyne outperformed him in every single category, I will have you know. Um, but I want to ask you a question about Jurgen Klopp. I don't know if you saw the the message that he sent to Jordan Henderson in the wake of him winning that Football Writers Association Player of the Year. And Jordan Henderson was almost in tears. Just hmm. seems to me, I'm not a Liverpool fan. I don't think either of you are as well. But Klopp is such an impressive individual, isn't he? And I he seems him. to have the love and respect of everybody. Yeah, I, I, I love him as a manager. He seems to be direct, honest. And something what uh, Brett Holman was just saying, he protects his players. Mm. The good managers do yeah, that. He yeah. protects them. He has that personal element, doesn't he? So he, he gets to know his players. Um, and, and that honesty, which a, a lot of people get uh, confused about that um, you're going to hurt people. No, be honest. You get the respect of your playing squad. Um, Klopp, has, he, he's been amazing. I could listen to him all day, every day. Mm. He's a great, uh, seems to be a great man as well as a great coach. Um, Great player, David Silva, leaving Manchester City after a decade. Where does he sit in the pantheon of, of Premier League greats, in your opinion? He doesn't perhaps get the, the plaudits he deserves, or is that just my sky blue shirt showing? Oh, Probably because he I plays mean, for Man City. Let's just have a look at his fact file. Eh? David Silva, one World Cup winner, two European championships, four Premier League titles, Two FA Cups, five EFL Cups. I mean, this this is a player that has had an enormous contribution to Man City, and an enormous comp, com, um, sorry, an enormous contribution to the the league. Um, he, he's got to go down as one of the the greatest, I believe. Uh, Ten years, Simon was he at Man City? Yep. yep. Ten uh, years. I mean, what 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 a great player. Come out. Pep Guardiola giving him unbelievable plaudits, and rightfully so. He's, he's been a wonderful player. Absolutely. And uh, might yet cap it off with a Champions League win. Who knows? Um, let's move away from the Premier League. We're going to focus uh, a fair bit on this podcast over the next uh, few weeks on Asia. I, I don't think we focus enough on the giant continent to the north. And this is, after all, where our natural rivals reside. reside. It's not Europe. It's not the English Premier League. It's not the AFL or the NRL. We need to focus a lot more on Asia. I'm sure you guys uh, agree. Chinese Super League kicked off on Saturday, five months late, fittingly in Wuhan. (laughs) Uh, Among the coaches in the Chinese Super League this year, how about this? Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Fabio Cannavaro, Rafa Benitez, Giovanni Van Bronckhorst, I think you might have played with him at 
Rangers, uh, Moritz. The Rangers, Roberto yeah. Donadoni, Uli Stierlicher, Afshin Gottby. I mean, these are huge coaching names, but is mm. the standard of Chinese players improving because they throw all this money at their football? Um, yeah. You do see certain players like Wu Lei has moved over to Spain. He's doing very well over there. But in general, from what you've seen, do you think the general standard of Chinese players is improving? No, I, I do. I do think they're improving. And I think uh, the way they train as well, they, they get more out of their players. But it's a numbers game over there as well. They don't have a problem with a salary cap. If someone breaks down, the next one comes in. Now, I think Guangzhou, correct me mm. if I'm wrong, but they actually went out and they bought the best Chinese players. Mm. So it was actually easier to get the foreign players to yeah. fit in. And that's why they dominated for so long. But I do think the game in general over there is improving because they've invested so much in football. It's a worry, isn't it, Maury, for us here in Australia that they are putting so much money. It's not just China or Japan or Korea, but even places like Vietnam. Yeah. No, Asia's, uh, it, it has the money. And look, they're, they're going to be hit also. Let's not forget the, the, the Chinese Super League is not throwing the dollars um, you know, there's been changes in the rules and the regulations. That's true. Um, you know, so that look that will also give their younger players, Simon, the the opportunity. Um, you know, I remember a boy when we played in Asia, Mads Dav- uh, Davidson, who drove. He was a football director at SIPG, and they were developing the younger players. So more and more clubs are looking to do this, which means that <laughs> we've got our work cut out. You know, because they're going to be producing better players. Um, Year in, year out, the investment is there, although it has changed like it, it has all over the world. Just moving on to uh, the J-League, um, interesting developments over there. They've dramatically expanded their English language coverage online. They've got a new internal team handling its international social media. An interesting quote from Jay Bothroyd, uh, who, of course, plays in Japan now, but used to play in the UK. He reckons that the MLS and the A-League are still more popular internationally due to uh, the fact that our league, along with the MLS, are being shown in English overseas. And clearly the J-League have got wise to that. And they're now trying to move in on that, uh, that particular patch, Spider. Yeah. Uh... Jay the Snake, Bothroyd, I played with him at Potonja. Yeah. Of course you would have done, yeah. <laughs> Jay the Snake. But he's right. And probably the time difference as well, Simon. Yeah. So the time difference uh, here in Australia, people, they're always watching football, whether it's in America, whether it's in Europe, whether it's in Asia. Yeah. So you know, it, it does work. And, you know, the Japanese league is actually a very good league to watch. So, yeah. you know, they're, they've wisened up and uh, doing the translation. And wisened up? Doing the commentary in English. We've got, we've got a new English word, wisened. Uh, Be wisened. Uh, at Aston Zelko's dictionary. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. um, on the pitch, Maury, um, Ange Postacoglu's had a bit of a, a rough start to the defence mm. of his, his crown with Yokohama F. Marinos. Um, they mm. lost 3-1 to Consadol Sapporo on Sunday. And they're sort of three quarters of the way down the, the, the top division. Just goes to underline just how level mm. that competition is and also how difficult it is to retain mm. a championship. Not that it's over yeah. yet, of course. No, but that's, that's a very good point you raised right at the end there. I've had communication recently with Ange Postacoglu and um, he struggled with some injuries uh, to his team and, and also the, the challenge of being champions. Um, that, that, that has also played, played a role. But uh, back to, to winning ways with a, with a good 4-0 uh, win over Yokohama. Um, so, look, Ange will continue to do a great job there. His team play a fantastic brand of football. 
and I've no doubt they'll be that pointy end uh, again this season. Okay, and congratulations to uh, Angie's erstwhile assistant, Pete Klamowski, who got his first Mm. win as head coach of Shimizu S. Pulse. That was uh, 4-2 on Sunday against Oita Trinita. An interesting uh, challenge for Pete. Um, he's now coaching the likes of Tirasin Dengda, the, the Thai international striker, Jong Taesei, the, the North Korean. Do you remember him who, who cried before the national anthem at, uh, at the 2010 World Cup in South Africa? Okay. These are really different challenges, aren't they, for our Australian coaches when they go overseas to, to leagues like Japan? Got to deal with the Japanese language and all these different different uh, players. Cultures, you got to deal with yeah. cultures. Yeah, it's uh, it's not easy, you know, and you got to deal with interpretation, languages, very hard. But great experience, and you know what? It's great to see Pete get an opportunity. Like you think he was a conditioning coach, and from yes. conditioning coach, he's now got a job as a head coach in the J League before some of the big coaches that have been very successful here in Australia. So again, yeah. once again, opportunity comes your way. You got to take it with both hands. And, and also, yeah, connections as well, Spike. But let's not forget that he was, um, he was working with Ange Postacoglu, who was hugely successful. Therefore, that's how this opportunity that Pete most certainly earned, no doubt about that. Great to see him get a win because the pressure would have been mounting after six defeats. Um, so, you know, like any manager to set their new patterns, their new systems, culture, um, you need time. So fantastic for Pete to get a result and hopefully bigger and better things to come from him. Indeed, and they are off the foot of the ladder in Japan. Let's uh, move on to our final segment today, and we've got a very special guest for Footballers' Lives. Yes, now on to our Footballers' Lives segment, and it is a real pleasure today to welcome a 63 times cap Socceroo, a man who began his career as a junior with Northern Spirit and played for Parramatta Power, and then headed overseas to join Dutch Giants Feyenoords. He had a long loan spell at Excelsior, and then further stints in Holland with Neck and AZ Alkmaar, where, of course, he won the Eredivisie, and then joined Aston Villa and played in the English Premier League. He rounded out his career in the Middle East with Al Nasser and Emirates Club before three years with Brisbane Roar. He famously scored twice at the 2010 World Cup in South Africa, it's a big podcast welcome to Brett Holman. How are you, Brett? I'm good, mate. How are you? Great to see you. Um, what are you up oh, to God. in retirement, first of all? Um, obviously, with the with situations what's happened in the last month in everybody, it's, um, it's just been um, dad slash teacher, in a way. Um, trying, to, trying to get the little man to sit still for five minutes is, uh, is pretty hard. But um, other than that, I've, uh, you know, just taken a bit of time off. It's been a bit of hard, uh, hard yakker in regards to, you know, coming to terms with actually retiring, I suppose, in, in, in that sense where I didn't want to stop playing. But due to, due to obviously knee problems, it's, uh, yeah, it wasn't fun. But, um, you know, it is what it is. And, and I suppose getting over that and, and starting a life after football is, uh, is, uh, is the phase I'm in at the moment. Brett, I just wanted to, to dig a little bit deeper in terms of the, the transition side of things for a footballer. Uh, I know you obviously you, you've got an academy and you're coaching kids up on the, the sunny coast there and doing a great job. Yep. Um, but for the involvement that you've had in the, the, the game of football and the people that you've worked under, I'm looking at your coaches, Ronald Koeman, Dick Advocat, Louis Van Gaal. Um, 
have you had any contact from the FFA, for example, to see where your interest lies and potentially a future in the game? It's easy. It's an easy answer. It's 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 no. Um, I haven't had any any contact with anybody from uh, from FFA. Um, I suppose the main source of what you want to do for life after has come through the PFA, really. Um, with Bo Bush, Johnny McCain's obviously the main man up here in Queensland who, who is, uh, I think, trying to do a, a, a good job, especially for the younger generations to understand where they want to end up eventually. Um, mm-hmm. I suppose for our, our generations going through, we, we, we had no idea about what we wanted to do because our only focus was football. Um, you know, we were, we were selfish in that sense because it was only football and, 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 and that's what it was. Um, but in regards to, yeah, I suppose like what you're getting back to, you know, players, I, I, don't, I don't know the numbers, I don't know the amount of players, you know, you, yourself, Spider, you know, whoever, whoever we could name. I don't know if you guys had contact, but, but I've never had any contact with, with our football federation in regards to, yeah, what, you know, how, how are you feeling, life after football, what, what are your thoughts, do you want to stay in the game, in, in what capacity? Um, there, hasn't, there hasn't been any dialogue whatsoever. Yeah, that, that, that's sad to hear, mate, uh, because, mate, you're a legend of the game and we've had this discussion before. Uh, that I think we've all got so much to offer, but it seems like they just want to keep us away from offering and, and helping. But uh, look, mate, we're pushing. Uh, and we all know that with the career and the experience you've got, you're going to be able to give back and hopefully you can give back. But let's get back to your career, mate. Let's get back to the goals you scored. Let's get back to the stadiums you played at. This is what the people yeah. want to hear about. What's the best goal you've ever scored? Oh, the best goal of us. I think the best goal was, was for AZ. Um, it was against Valencia in, uh, I think it was the round of 16 Europa League. Um, it, it came from a corner and it just popped out. He overhit it, to be honest. It wasn't meant for me. But um, <laughs> it, it, it ended up coming out to the far post and, and I was able to, 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 yeah, hit it so sweet. Right foot volley, um, top corner. That got us to... I think it was 1-1 for Valencia. We ended up beating him at home. Um, got absolutely spanked in the away, uh, in the away <laughs> game. But, um, but um, it was, it was it, yeah, that, that, w- that would have been, the, like, in regards to, to yeah, the goal and, and the moment, that would have been, that would have been my, best, my best goal, yeah. Brett, um, you had such a great career, and we'll talk about some of the other highlights, but was your overall highlight that title-winning season with uh, RZ in the Netherlands? In regards to, I suppose, the title, yes, yes and no, um, because you know I, I did play a, a, a role, but I would have loved to have played a bigger role in that sense. Um, there was a lot of games where I was coming off the bench as well in that in that year. Um, look, to, to you know, Spider knows how how big it is. Obviously, he played a, he played in Rota for, for for a long time, and 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 yeah, you don't underestimate the big three with Feyenoord and. and and Ajax and PSV, and I suppose for AZ at that time to break uh, to break the trend was um, was probably the big one. That was the big moment, I suppose. And and Bredo, obviously, we we crossed paths um, as far back as two thousand and four Olympics uh, in Athens, and yep. so we've obviously been in contact ever ever since. And look, you went on to to forge a, a great a great career and also international yeah. career. Career managed to score a couple of goals in a in a World Cup. Yep. Uh, mate, which was phenomenal. The game against Serbia, I was there. 
Have, how, do, how do you reflect upon that now? Has it really, really sunk in or is it still something that you don't really think too much about? You don't, you don't and, and it's a shame because you look back at it and, and, you, and you look back at it now and you realise how big of a, a deal for, for myself, I suppose. You know, it was, it was unfortunate because I, I really thought that we could have done something a lot more, especially for, from, from the foundations that were set for with 2006 um, and, and obviously competing in two games basically with, with 10 men. Um, uh, with with Ghana and Serbia and and competing and and, and winning you know one of those games um, it, it was yeah it was disappointing because I felt that that we could have got a lot more out of it and and I suppose the the, the personal side in scoring two goals it doesn't sink in at that moment you get on with it and and you, you know you, I suppose because we were still young me and I suppose the younger guy with me and Carl Valeri and and Milo Yedinak, you know we were just excited to 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 soak up that experience and, and I suppose the experience from, I suppose, the older guys as well, not just the actual World Cup itself. Um, mm-hmm. it, 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 didn't, it didn't sink in and, and it's a shame because, because you don't soak it up. Um, you know, you look back and you say it was a fantastic moment, but you don't really uh, enjoy it, I suppose, in, 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 at that moment. Brett, what about, mate, you know what, uh, I've got a lot of respect for you for the way that your career went. And it probably personifies you as a real Australian and a real socceroo with the character yep. of starting, never giving up, going to the yep. highest level. Mate, in all honesty, you played at some dungeon stadiums, man. Excelsior <laughs> was a dungeon. <laughs> mate, neck, neck Nijmegen, and they had the bloody yeah. bike track around it, mate. I remember yeah, going right. there. We never won there. That was a disaster. And that's RZ, what hang on, you, for. You, probably got, you probably got the better stadium. Did you play at yeah. the old yeah. RZ stadium or the new one? No, no, no. I, I played at the old one. I played at the old one against them, but I didn't. Uh, but when I played, when, when when the new stadium was built, we, we, it was already done. So I played at the new one. So it was better. It was a yeah, lot better. Lucky, lucky because it was, <laughs> it was a shocker. It was an absolute shocker. <laughs> but but, but a- no, it was yeah. They, they were fun. They, you know, there was so much character, and you would know that. You know, they were they were the fun stadiums. Those little, you know, tiny shitty crappy you know stadiums and it's freezing cold and and you don't want to go out and warm up um and and you know they, they you know they were the, they were the character building ones yeah brett i pushed something out from arsene wenger uh, last week it was a, it was a video and he talks about stamina of motivation uh, i thought it was a fan, fantastic video and what he was meaning was the successful players uh, that stamina of motivation they're able to handle knockbacks they're, at, they're able to handle uh, people saying that they're not good enough or they're not in the, the starting lineup. You went through a challenging, challenging period um, when you first went over Excelsior. What advice, yeah. what advice can you give the, the younger player and can you talk us through that experience for you? It's, it's a, it's a, the experience was tough. It's a hard one to give advice in regards to how you know, each individual would treat it in regards to the low moments you're going to hit and you're going to hit them. You know, you're going to cop it when you're over there. And, and uh, you know, I've said it many a times and, and, and you guys would know that in regards to we're taking, we're taking the, the locals guys position. You know what I mean? So, you know, yeah. there's, there's, you know, when you're in Scotland or, or you know, if, if, if Spider was in a rotor or a Milan or whatever, we're taking their positions. And, and so, you know, straight away, you're not going to be, you're not going to be liked very well to start off with. So you're already behind the eight ball. Um, <coughs> You know, when the lows come and the lows do come, if you're not playing or you're not performing or it's a little bit difficult, um, you know, I suppose the, it's, it's, it comes from belief a lot, I suppose. 
a lot of belief in yourself. And, and I suppose my generation, maybe you guys were, I suppose, even tougher, I would say. Um, you know, I was brought up with Parramatta Power. We, we had the likes of Nick Orlich, Alex Tobin, you know, David Barrett, these sort of guys. And, and that was a brilliant learning curve in, in, in regards to, you know, if you don't toughen up now, you're not going to make it anyway. Um, you didn't complain. You got on with the job, and 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 that was a that was my start in regards to learning how to deal with 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 you know being at the bottom of of the food chain in regards to that's how they made you feel not in a bad way, but they did say you have to respect you know that 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 older generation and and respect football as well, um, and that's where I suppose uh, you know when I did hit my lows when I I thought it was absolute you know it was a dead end. And I was like, I'm going nowhere. And, and Spider said it himself. You know, Excelsior was a dungeon and I played there for four years, you know. And, and, and I thought, you know, if I can stick it out. And I, and I always felt and believed that, that I had a, that little bit extra to, to, to give. And, 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 and I knew that I could, could do it better than the local guys. And that's why I suppose, you know, that's where you've got to believe in yourself and stick it out. I watched that uh, Arsene Wenger clip as well, Maury, and uh, I, th- I think the words that stuck with me were mental stamina. And you certainly showed that, uh, Brett, throughout your career. We've got, we've got a few Twitter questions from uh, our listeners to this podcast that I want to run through. Um, first one, this one from Peter Anastasi. You were managed by both Louis van Gaal and Dick Advocat at RZ, uh, plenty of others as well. Uh, but yeah. out of those two, which one did you admire the most and why? <sighs> Both of them, both of them in, 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 in two different ways, in two different ways. Uh, uh, Louis was just a, 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 yeah, a, a mental genius um, in regards to his coaching. Um, you know, he would, he would win us the game at halftime, basically. He would come in at halftime and he'd change a few things and he'd actually win us the game. And it had nothing to do with the players. Their, their qualities, he would, he, you know, and that, that year, obviously, when we won the league, it was, it was, you know, down to him. We had good players, but he, I don't know how he did it. You know, he read the game and, and he, would, he would change things at halftime and it would actually come off in the, in, in the field and, and you'd look at it and you'd just think, yeah, how is that possible? Whereas Dickie was, um, was an absolute amazing motivator. Um, you know what I mean? Before you were out there in the tunnel, it's like you, you, you could run through walls just because he got you that fired up. And, um, you know, the little general, he was, um, yeah, completely different coaches, um, but, but both in both, in, yeah, both different styles. But, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed working under both of them. Okay. Um, now, this is a question from Manfred von McGonagall. I hope I've said that correctly. Um, and I know it's one you've been asked a lot over the last few years, but so we'll give you another opportunity to have a crack at it. You had that one year at Aston Villa. What happened there? And do you regret going there? Uh, I, no, I don't, regret, I don't regret going there at all. Um, I suppose it would have been just before that. I think Villa in that period was, was almost slowly being a sinking ship anyway. You know, they, they were struggling through a few years. I literally walked in to do my medical because I signed a pre-contract in February because I was off contract at AZ. I did the second medical in May or June when the season ended. Alex McLeish signed me and I walked into the training ground to do my medical and he was walking out with his boxes because he just got sacked. Um, and, that, and, that was, and, that was, and he looked at me and he's like, oh, all the best. And I was like, well, <laughs> 
and I and I honestly thought, oh, is the deal going to go through? I didn't even I didn't I, I thought it was going to happen, but it was obviously a pre contract, so it was done. But you know, Maury would know, especially in the UK, where the managers, you know, they they're the ones who control the transfer ideas, and and it's not like where Holland have you know a group of of, of board members or or scouts or technical directors where they you know they bring in players on the philosophy of the club, managers. Managers bring in, in their players. And when Paul Lambert came in and, and basically said to me, yeah, I have, I have no idea who you are, then, um, yeah, then I thought I was, I was in trouble. Can you please bring back Alex McQuish uh, quick fast? Uh, Bretto, did you say I've got no, no idea who you are either? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he, he, always, he, loved, he loved throwing in, he loved throwing in <laughs> that he played for Dortmund and he won the, and he, and he won the, uh, the Cup and all that sort of stuff. He loved that. He loved throwing that in. But um, look, I never regretted it. I loved. I loved the the, the uh, you know Villa Park. I loved the Holt End. It was brilliant. But it, it just was. It just didn't work out. Mate, it's unbelievable because I had the exact same story. It's it's incredible. I went to Leicester under Mark McGee. Mark yeah. McGee left. He went to Wolves. I was supposed to go to Wolves with him, and Martin O'Neill took over. I went to Wolves for one month. And I couldn't get my work permit. And Martin O'Neill said, hang on, where's this goalkeeper we signed? They didn't need to come back to us. So I ended up going, I ended up going back there. It was incredible. I'd never seen anything like it either. Yeah, yeah no, that was, that was definitely the, that was the big thing I saw, saw where the managers decide a lot, like compared to, you know, Holland where, where you know, it, it doesn't go through just one person. It goes through, you know, a, a group of 10 guys and, and finally they decide on a player basically. This question, um, Brett, from Heizam Mohi, which uh, is actually our question of the week. Congratulations, Heizam. Uh, you get a $100 meal voucher from the Outback Steakhouse. Um, I think this is a question you've answered before as well, but it's an interesting one for a lot of supporters of the national team. There were a number of fans who did seem to make you a bit of a scapegoat for uh, the national team at one point. Did this motivate you to put in great performances at the World Cup in 2010? Or did you not take any notice? No, no. Look, I've answered it so many times. And, and I suppose it, it keeps coming up because Robbie Cruz, you know, copped it uh, recently yeah. as well in, in, that, in, in that sense. I love, I love the whole idea where, where everybody's got an opinion, you know. But um, there, was, there was a certain stage where I think it, it, there was things getting said about my family and, 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 and stuff like that. And, you know, I suppose with club level, I could almost maybe hack it in a way. Um, but you know, when you're representing your country, you don't you don't fly all the way all the way around the world um, to try and put in bad performances. And um, you know, I was giving my all, and 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 you know, I suppose that was the most disappointing. Where you know you wear the green and gold with with pride, and 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 then you know things get said about your your family, your Australian family, who actually supports Australia. That was that was probably the hardest moment, and. Um, it was difficult, don't get me wrong, because, you, you know, I don't read a lot of media, but you, but you get affected by it. But um, in regards to saying I put in better performances, no, I always gave my all, um, whether it was at South Africa or the Asian Cups or, or qualifiers, whatever it was. It was, uh, it was the same mental uh, uh, approach that I always took. Mate, I'm glad you got thick skin like me, mate, because I threw one in in the World Cup and it was uh, against Croatia. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and everyone remembers the one that I threw in against Croatia at the World Cup. Forget about my whole career. I'm, a, I'm, I'm useless because I made one mistake. Mate. And they, don't, they don't remember the good ones. They don't remember mate, the one mistake ones doesn't make a career. And it's great that you've got thick skin. And, mate, that's a part of football. Sometimes you just got to deal with it and you've got to deal with the trolls and the idiots that, that attack yeah. your families. 
but it's it's not like that. People who know the game know it's not like that, mate. You're a fantastic player. Your career yeah. says it. Uh, what you've achieved, the way you achieved it, the never never back down attitude, uh, and to come back and actually play in Australia. There's only one person to blame for that. But what would you say? Yeah. <laughs> what, what would you say to these other ex pros that have had fantastic careers about coming back and finishing their careers in Australia? How did you find that? Um. I suppose going back at the old NSL where I only spent a year, um, it was, I was blown away a little bit um, in regards to the younger generations more than anything. Um, I felt that they had it way too easy to start with. Um, you know, we were, we were there early. We, you know, we were the first ones there, you know, setting up everything. We're talking about Parramatta Power back in the day, you know, setting up everything. First ones there, last ones to leave. And, and, and I, didn't get, I didn't see that a lot. A lot. With, with the mental approach to the younger boys. Um, and I can understand the discussions that are going around in regards to, you know, we should be giving youth a chance and, and, and I completely agree it, agree with it, but, but they have to deserve it as well. And, um, and, that's the whole, and that's the whole problem for me. Or, you know, obviously I was only at Brisbane, so I can't really, I can't really um, go off all the other clubs. But, you know, I'm all for forgiving the youth a go, especially now in, in the situation that, we, that we're in being with the A-League at the moment. We do need a, a blood through youth and we, and we need to start, you know, creating new generations. But at the moment, or, or, or you know, the talent that I saw, they, they have to deserve it to start with. And that was, that was the big thing where, you know, it was more disappointing for me. They have everything. You know, they have a lot more than what, what, what we had growing up in regards to the infrastructures, the quality, the training setups. You know, we didn't have that at all. And, and, you know, they do have everything at their, their disposal. And, uh, you know, I think that there's a lot being taken for granted at the moment. Yeah, and, and Brett, like I said, I mean, John Aloisi and, and myself uh, obviously played a role in, in bringing you back to Australia. And, mate, we were, we were so excited uh, because we, we knew the quality of a player that we were getting. And I got the privilege to work with you, um, obviously, quite closely and see also the impact that you had on those younger players. And I think that that's also very, very important because it's, it's from experience, it's from, it's from knowledge of the game, and it's information that you were giving these younger players to, to say that there's, there's bigger challenges um, out there. Unfortunately, uh, in, injuries played a part, but, mate, you were exceptional for us at Brisbane Raw, and um, I really enjoyed getting you back. And, Mate, hopefully you go on to bigger and better things out, out, outside of foot, football. You're doing great things with the, the academy and working with the, the kids now. Um, but we, we, we look forward to seeing what that next step is for you, whether, whether it's involved at an elite level or not. Uh, time will tell. No, exactly. But I, like, you know, going back on, on, on Brisbane Raw, it was, it, was a, it was a great thing in regards to, you know, the, 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 the games that I used to see and watch on, online or, or, or whatever when I, was, when I was overseas. And you saw how Suncorp was absolutely chock-a-block in the finals and they were having amazing yeah. games. I was like, oh, I'd love to be a part of that. So it was, it was a, it, it, in regards to, you know, speaking to yourself and John, and it was, an, it was, a, it was a no-brainer coming back home. Um, it actually sort of opened my eyes because, you know, the, you work a little bit more with the PFA because, you know, you're sort of coming to the end of your career. You know, you start looking into, okay, should you, should you start doing your football licences and your badges and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, there was, there was certain aspects, you know, like you said, the injuries were the most disappointing because I felt that I, I could have done a lot more um, if I wasn't injured. But, um, but you know, I, I, I enjoyed it and, and 
yeah, it was unfortunate we didn't we didn't do anything special, I suppose, in a way. But just to finish off with a few more Twitter questions, if you don't mind, quite a few yeah. people uh, just wanted to know simply about that goal against Serbia. You've touched upon it already. Uh, still Australia's best ever win at a World Cup finals. You were really in the groove in 2010. Uh, describe that moment for us when you hit that one from long range and you see it nestle in the bottom corner. That must have been unreal. That's, that's boyhood dream stuff, I would imagine. I've, I've, seen, I've, I've seen it a few times coming back and I was like, how did I even think about shooting from that far? <laughs> You know, I was like, I've, I've never tried that at training. You know, What's I've a few had, times? Was, 175 times? <laughs> I think more. I think more. I think more. But, uh, but it, was, it was, yeah, I, like, I remember dad, dad would always, especially before the games or if you saw him or you spoke to him, he'd just say, go out and have a dig. And, and I suppose that was, you know, dad wasn't even a soccer man or a football man. He was Aussie rules. But he was like, you know, I, 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 hate, I hate all those guys who want to try and walk the ball in. He goes, why don't they just have a shot? Why don't they go and have it? And he just, he didn't get that. And he was like, go out and have a crack. And I, and I, and I still think that that was in the back of my mind. That, you know, that whole camp leading up, scoring against New Zealand, uh, the winner beforehand in Melbourne. Um, I had a cracking uh, uh, camp uh, in South Africa. I, I just felt ready. And, and, and everything just, just fell into place. And I suppose that, that that was the tip of the iceberg in regards to the shot against Serbia. It was yeah, you could you couldn't have hit it any sweeter. And uh, one man on Twitter asks, when you played in the A League against Milos Ninkovic, did you ever talk about that World <laughs> Cup game you both played in on the pitch? <laughs> I, I honestly, I, I honestly, somebody told me I can't remember who, but I honestly at that moment I didn't even realise he was the one chasing me. <laughs> but, um, but, but if I if I had if I had, then I definitely would have given him some because Sydney were obviously fine when I when I was yeah. playing when you know I was playing for Brisbane. Sydney were the were the winners, so I would have definitely given him some, saying you know you can't catch me still. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, but no, I didn't. I didn't even. I didn't even realise. Uh, just two more to finish off with, Brett. Uh, one a, a serious one, probably, uh, given what's happened in the last twelve months. Uh, from Nick, how was your relationship with Pim Verbeek? Because you really seem to flourish under him. Yeah, no, look, I, I, going back, I suppose, if, you know, the question that you said before in regards to maybe being the scapegoat or whatever, um, he, was, he was one of the, the most influential people that, that, that was in and around my life at that, at that time. Um, the way he, he shielded and almost sort of protected me in a way from, from a lot of the crap that was, that was being said about me, you know, he basically stood in front of it and took, and took all the bullets almost in a way and... Um, uh, look, we had a great uh, uh, experience, I suppose, with, with 2010, but our relationship was different. My wife was Dutch. Um, uh, you know, he came and visited us a, a couple of times in Dubai. Um, we had a different relationship. It, you know, it wasn't that coach. You know, he was my coach, but, but we had that outside relationship as well. And, and it, mm. you know, we, we, we both knew that he was sick, but we didn't know that it was, it was that bad. And... and and obviously, it was a, it was a, yeah, a massive, yeah, kick in the teeth, or, or yeah, it, it, it destroyed me in a way. And uh, yeah, it was tough. But but the guy himself, you know, you said it yourself, Simon, in regards to he wasn't he wasn't that typical coach. He was just a gentleman. He was he was yeah. he was just a good good man. And 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 you know that yeah, you can't say any bad words about him. Yeah, he was a fantastic man. Fantastic man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, final one, Brett, uh, before we let you go, because I know you've got to get out the door. Uh, this is from Lee Broxham Facts. 
which player in the A-League most closely resembles your playing style? In the A-League? That's a good one. You still watch it? <laughs> <laughs> you got, you got, to, you got to subscribe to Fox Sports, don't you? Uh, um, um, yeah, good question. Um, wow. Um, maybe, if maybe you really look at it, the answer, Brett. You maybe you can tweet us. It, maybe no. you can tweet us the answer. You'd probably say a quick. <laughs> you'd probably say a quick one. A quick one off the top of my head, even though he's left-footed. You'd probably say Riley McGree in a way. Yeah. He plays a little bit deeper, maybe. Deeper. Um, yeah. But but I, but I love the way he if he does pick up the ball and just and just goes and attacks the defenders and and you know he's got that raw you know sort of sort of you know footballing type about him. Um, yeah. You know, it's a shame that he's come home. Obviously, he would have had his reasons. But I, I thought when he do, did get his move to, um, I think it was Club Bruges. Um, Bruges yeah. He, he, yeah, I thought it was like, yeah, that's, that's his time to kick on. But, um, yeah, top of my head, it could have been him. Well, Brett, um, it was wonderful watching you during your playing days. We're sure you've still got so much more to offer this wonderful sport in Australia. And we really thank you for your time today, joining us and answering all those questions. Great to see you, No mate. worries. No worries, mate. Thank you, Brett. Thanks, Cheers, mate. Brett. Thanks for having me. See you, mate. Thanks very much. See you, guys. Is... see you, guys. See you, Brett. And that is Brett Holman. And that is us for episode three. Thank you so much for downloading us. Our Twitter followers now number well over a 1,000. Keep spreading the word, please. This is your podcast. And we do try to ask the questions the fans want answered. See you same time, same place next week for another Shim Spider and so much more. Bye for now. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.